Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking in zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson! And it goes to Corey Davis. Crowder trying to get him out of space, slopes a tackle, and there he goes! Crowder! It's a foot race, and Crowder is in there! A 69-yard touchdown! He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the Q-inator. Oh my gosh! Listen. Thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it's time to get to know your foe, Tennessee Titans edition. So for that, we bring in a return guest. He came on the show to talk about Arthur Smith, came on the show to talk about Corey Davis, and now he's back to preview the Tennessee Titans. David Beauclair of Sports Illustrated. David, thanks for coming back on the show, sir. Always a pleasure, Scott. How are you doing today? I wish that I was doing better, but the Jets are driving me crazy right now. They're 0-3. Zach Wilson's been a bit of a roller coaster ride. So I'm hoping that you can help ease my nerves a little bit by telling me that the Tennessee Titans aren't as tough of a matchup as I think they are. And one area where I think people might be overselling the Titans is Ryan Tannehill. Now, he's played very well since getting to the Titans, but you and I were talking before we started recording, and I had said to you, it seemed like Tannehill had gotten off to a slow start, and you said that you think this might be the worst he's been since he's been in Tennessee, which doesn't mean he's playing poorly, but it does mean that he might have taken a little bit of a step back. Enlighten me on that a little bit. Yeah, it, 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 it's interesting. You, you saw it sort of the first day of training camp. He, he threw a couple of interceptions that day, and it, and, it, and it continued. And even if it wasn't interceptions, it was throws where, you know, he missed guys by such a, such a margin that they didn't have any, any chance to catch the ball. And, and 
you know, from the time he took over in week seven of 2019 through the end of last season, the, the, the one thing was, you know, Ryan Tannehill's decision-making was, was rock solid always. And, and his throws, you know, he's, he's never going to go down as the most accurate passer in NFL history, but, but certainly it seemed like every throw gave the receiver a chance to catch the ball. And, uh, and you saw early in training camp that, that that wasn't the case. And that has sort of, sort of carried over. He, you know, he, he's, he's put up okay numbers. Um, he's, he's run the ball sort of effectively picking his spots and, and, and getting first downs and, and those sorts of things. But, uh, but there's, there, he, he's, he's thrown some interceptions. Like Mike Vrabel has been hard on him this week, talking about one of the two he threw against the Colts last Sunday was, uh, how did he say it? He threw it into, uh, threw it into a party or, or something, something like that, you know, just that, that there were Colts all over the place. And it, and it, you know, those are the kinds of decisions that, that he just did not make in 2019 and 2020. And for some reason there uh, he, he's making them much more often than, than anyone would expect or anyone with the Titans would be comfortable with right now. You think it has anything to do with Arthur Smith leaving? I, I do. I think, uh, you know, for that, that was, that was one thing. If, if you go back and look at 2019 and look at the offensive numbers in the first six games of the season, when Marcus Mariota was the, was the starting quarterback and, and starting from game seven on, uh, when Ryan Tannehill took over there, there's, there's a dramatic difference there. And, and, and those guys both over the last year and a half had, had sort of talked about it, but I, I don't know that they they even knew how to how to communicate it effectively, but but you heard it often enough and, and reading between the lines, they really, really saw the game the same way and, and understood the game the same way and, and thought the game the same way. You know, uh, you know, every Friday, every offensive coordinator and his quarterback, they they uh, they go through the you know the offensive game plan right, and they talk about what do you like, what do you not like, and and I always got the impression that those conversations between Arthur Smith and Ryan Tannehill were very short because it's like, hey, I like this, 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 and this, and the other guy says, yep, I like those exact things too, and and they they just moved on, and and uh, uh, you know the, the Todd Downing is is you know might be a really good offensive coordinator. He he's. He, he didn't look good against the the Cardinals. He's he's looked much better the last two weeks calling plays. But but I think uh, I think it's going to be really hard to replicate the uh, the rapport that uh, that that Tannehill had with Arthur Smith and and sort of the the comfort level there. So I, I do think I do think there's there there's bound to be a step back there in some way, and and maybe that's what we're seeing. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With Tannehill struggling and the wide receiver situation, which we'll get to in a little bit, I'd imagine in this game they're going to lean even more heavily on King Henry, who has been just about as dominant as ever this year so far. You know, he's uh, he's remarkable. All the uh, all the analytics, all the stats. You know, there's there's almost not a number you could point to coming into this year that you that wouldn't say. Derrick Henry is due for a regression. Well, here we are at the end of September, and he just had the best September of his career in terms of yards and in terms of carries. Uh, you know, he, he leads the league by a wide margin in both of those. It, and uh, with the 17-game schedule, as a matter of fact, he is on pace for exactly 2,000 yards. And and as we've seen, he you know he's a guy who who gets better and 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 does the the real bulk of his work traditionally in uh, in November and December. So. So there's a uh, 
you know, there, there's a real chance right now, three games into this thing, that, that he could become the the first back to get 2,000 yards in a season twice, you know, maybe even threaten Eric Dickerson's record, you know, all those things. Of, of course, the, the flip side of that he is he's one high ankle sprain or, you know, one one torn knee ligament from from that being that. But he, uh, you know, he, he's certainly a guy who has, who has been durable and, and doesn't, you know, for a guy his size doesn't take a lot of big direct hits. He actually, uh, he actually runs away from a lot more tackles than he runs through, which, uh, which is, is, is really, you know, as, as long as I've been watching him now, it, it's still, it still sort of doesn't add up in your mind as you watch it. How important to the success of Henry has the Titans offensive line been? And how do you expect that battle in the trenches to go on Sunday? Because you know that the Jets' defensive line, particularly their interior defensive line, is probably the strongest unit they have. So I would think they're going to put a lot of the chips that they've got on trying to stop Henry. There's going to be a battle there between Quinn and Williams and that group and Taylor Lewan and the group on the other side on the offensive line for the Titans. How have they performed so far and how do you expect them to do against the Jets? Yeah, in, in terms of the first part of the question, how important is the line to to Derrick Henry's success? It, it's critical. If you go back, even to even to the you know his draft year, and and look at all the draft reports, which I I did that this summer, sort of as a little little pet project to see what you know what what people said about Derrick Henry. Because remember, he he lasted through the first round and, and into the second round. Titans had three second round picks that year. And uh, and Henry was actually the third of those three, um, so I, I you know I, I sort of went back and looked at and what was what was sort of the knock against him or what you know maybe made people hesitant, and uh, and and the the book on him then is was exactly what the book on him now is, which and that is if you can get him if you can get to him at or behind the line of scrimmage before he gets up to full speed you can really contain him but once he gets a stride or two past the line of scrimmage and is up to speed he he's a whole different animal and a whole different problem for for people on defense so uh, and and you you can see you can you can look at the the very first play of the very first game this season against Arizona there's a handoff to Henry it's a three yard loss the next play was a handoff to Henry and it's a it's a one yard loss and and he, he, he when you get when you get to him in the backfield he he does go down remarkably easy and there's there's any number of examples of this if, if you can find them over the course of his career you know they're not going to show up on any of his his highlight reels obviously but but once once he gets a couple strides and gets up to speed and and gets gets past that first level he he really he really looks like a different back he's much harder to bring down so so you know the the offensive linemen don't have to blow open these huge holes for him but they do have to make their initial block and give him just a little bit of a crease and and from there he can do the rest so uh, you know that being said it's uh you know this is a group that has largely been together for two and a half years now um, other than the right tackle, which is which they keep rolling through people there, they're on their third different right tackle in as many years. But uh, the, the 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 issue, the potential problem for this line is 
center Ben Jones, left guard Roger Saffold, left tackle Taylor Lewan. They're all 30 or older. They're 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 all sort of dealing with injury issues already this year. I you know I don't think there's you know Taylor Lewan has already missed one game. I don't think there's I don't think there's any way that that these three guys don't each miss some time during the year. And, and there might be times when two or all three of them are out They're They're just sort of there. You know, I, I'm, I have more, if I was the Titans, I'd be more concerned about those three guys holding up and making it through a 17 game season right now. than I would uh, Derek Henry, even given all the workload he's had the last couple of years. David, a case could be made that the Tennessee Titans have the best one-two punch in the league at wide receiver with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. They've accounted for the vast majority of the passing offense, which is not a surprise. However, they're both hurt, and there's a lot of question as to either one of them playing on Sunday against the Jets. Obviously, if either one of them or both can't play, that becomes a huge advantage for the New York Jets. Chester Rogers has been a surprise. He's gotten in there a little bit and gotten some production. So has Nick Westbrook. But if Brown and Jones can't play, I would think that this is going to be even more of a run-heavy offense on Sunday against the Jets because Jones and Brown are such prominent pieces of that offense that if they're not there, I'm not sure how else you game plan because, again, Rodgers and Westbrook have been a surprise, but I don't think they're good enough to do it on their own. Yeah, with you know, with the... if Brown and Jones both don't play, that's when you bet the under, right? You, you automatically <laughs> go there. Um, you know, we'll we'll start we'll start with AJ Brown. You know, this is he he's put up some rare numbers. When you talk about when you talk about the number and the types of guys who have who have put up a thousand yards plus receiving in each of their first two seasons in the NFL, then you throw in the touchdown numbers. I believe it's twenty for uh, AJ Brown coming into this year. Not many guys have done that. And the guys who have done it are guys like, uh, you know, AJ Green and, and uh, uh, I can't even think of them now off the top of my head, but it's, but they're all, you know, they're all recognizable names and it's, uh, it, it's, it's really good company he's keeping. And, and he did that last year, despite the fact that he was on, AJ Brown was on the injury report every single week of the regular season. He showed up. A couple days before the opener against Denver, I, in fact, I think he wasn't on the first day's injury report, showed up on the second day and, uh, and with a knee injury, missed week two, and then played the rest of the season. And and at times, he was listed on there with a shoulder injury. At times, it was a, it was an ankle injury. At, at times, it was ankle and knee. I mean, he, he dealt with all these things. Ended up having surgery on both knees. It wasn't reconstructive surgery, but it was it was a procedure on both knees at the same time after the season. And and it you know it, it speaks to speaks to sort of his toughness and his willingness to play through things and whatnot. Now now you fast forward to this year. He got off to an amazing start in training camp. I mean, literally. Titans defensive backs couldn't cover him they, and they were they were they could admit as much they were laughing about it they're like this guy this guy's a joke right now like we just can't just can't do anything with him and uh and less than two weeks into camp all of a sudden he's he's missing practices he's being held out he uh he's been on the injury report every week so far this year um couldn't uh couldn't go on Sunday against the uh 
or I guess he, he went, we went Sunday against the Colts, but, uh, but by the end of the first quarter was out of that game with a hamstring injury. He'd been dealing with the, uh, with a knee something. And it's almost like at a certain point, it feels like somebody from the Titans is going to have to say to him, we get it. You're a tough guy. You, 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 you want to give everything you have. You want to try to win. Thank you for that. But, but you need to stop. And you need to sit down and take a couple games and get right because I, I think it, at this point it, there's there's almost a sense that he's pushing himself too far and, and too hard and uh, you know we'll we'll see uh, we'll see what what lies ahead for him with Julio Jones you're talking about a guy who's 32 years old coming off a, an injury plagued season where he only he only played nine games um, his first full practice in training camp he got hurt didn't do anything outside with the team for the next three weeks, had had nothing to do with uh, anything in the preseason games, and then, uh, and then has a terrible, terrible opener against, uh, against the Cardinals, played really well against Seattle in week two, and then w- was off to an okay start against the Colts. Hamstring tightened up on him, and and they pulled him from the game in the fourth quarter there. So I think I think we've seen probably this season already what the best case scenario is for Julio Jones, which is that he's playing every game, but he's not going to produce every game. He'll have some really good games, but but he's not the Julio Jones that uh, that we all think of when we hear the name Julio Jones. And and to your uh, you know we started this by saying arguably the best wide receiver tandem in the league i don't think that that this is the best wide receiver tandem in the league i think uh i think julio jones is a little too far on the on the downside of his career at this point for that to be a reality but he is he certainly is an upgrade uh, well i don't i don't know if he's an upgrade over over what they've had in the past because Corey davis had a pretty good year last year and i'm, I'm not sure he'll uh He'll be able to replicate the numbers Corey Davis had here. A lot of Jets fans happy to hear that you're saying that Corey (laughs) Davis might actually be better than Julio Jones at this point in time. It's a nice silver lining to what's been a bit of a rough season so far. And a big part of the reason why the season has been so rough is because Zach Wilson has been under pressure big time in each of the three games. Now, even more so this past week against Denver and in week one against the Carolina Panthers. But if the Jets are going to be able to deal with the Tennessee Titans pressuring Zach Wilson on Sunday, it's going to be a tough task because they've been really good at getting to the quarterback, especially Harold Landry. Now, in the offseason, the Titans went out and got Bud Dupree, who we know is a sack specialist. So everybody would expect if there was a guy that was really hammering quarterbacks, it would be Dupree, but it's been Landry. He had a 37.5% pressure rate on Sunday against Carson Wentz and the Colts. He's the first player in the league this season to have double-digit pressures in a single game. Absolutely incredible performance by him. And as I said, the Jets have had trouble keeping Zach Wilson upright and being able to keep his jersey clean. Harold Landry is going to do a lot to test them this week. And it's a test that I think based on what's happened the first few weeks, a lot of Jets fans are very nervous about. Yeah, well, it, and I'll give you another name, actually, because uh, Bud Dupree is not the only uh not the only outside linebacker the Titans signed from the Steelers this offseason. They also signed Ola Adeniyi, and uh, they didn't pay Adeniyi anywhere near the five years, $82.5 million they paid Bud Dupree. But but to this point, Adeniyi 
has had the impact on the pass rush that the that the Titans wanted Bud Dupree to have. I mean, he he played uh, he played I believe it was three snaps on defense Sunday against the Colts. Had a sack and a half, and it would have been two and a half sacks had he uh, had had the last one not been negated by a penalty. And uh, he he had a sack the week before against Seattle in very limited playing time. I mean, I mean literally, they signed this guy to be a a special team, a core special teams player. And, uh, and he's, he's gotten spot duty as a pass rusher. And and now the coaches are all talking about, well, we just have to get this guy on the field more. And, uh, and, and, and both of Landry's pressures too, I believe, or a couple of Landry's pressures came on, on plays when a was on the opposite side, like Ola has helped him out too. Dupree didn't play against, uh, against Indianapolis on Sunday because he's still, you know, still kind of on the mend from reconstructive knee surgery last December in, in the first two games when he did play, he, he certainly doesn't look like Bud Dupree. I don't think, uh, I don't think Zach Wilson is going to come out of this game seeing Bud Dupree in his in his nightmares. We'll put it that way because I, I don't think the two are going to get acquainted. My guess is that uh, that Dupree will probably sit this one out as well, and uh, and they're gonna they're gonna really let Adeniyi show what he can do, maybe as a uh, as a regular on the defense and and see. So that's uh, that that's really going to be the guy to watch for, I think, for Jets fans this week. Anybody who watched the Titans run to the AFC Championship game two years ago knows the name Rashawn Evans. He was spectacular in that playoff, and he's been really good so far this season, leading the Titans in tackles. And there's all-reliable Kevin Byard in the secondary. He's been a stable presence there. And Christian Fulton, who I really like coming out of college, he's played well too. Take us through the rest of this Titans defense and what the Jets have to worry about on Sunday. Yeah, Christian Fulton, the guy you mentioned, is, is uh, he, he's he's been sort of the revelation for this group. And and keep in mind, they the Titans completely overhauled the secondary this offseason. They were they were terrible in pass defense last year. They were terrible on third down. I mean, they gave up they gave up more than fifty percent third down conversions. It, it was a you know they set a record for futility. The number was. I think 52.4%. So they, they cut cornerback at Dory Jackson, cut cornerback Malcolm Butler, cut safety Kenny Vaccaro. And, and that, that all had as much to do with salary cap issues as it did with performance. But they, uh, they, they, they decided that they needed to, they needed to really do something different. And, uh, and they, they, they had Christian Fulton, their second round pick from 2020 here. They signed Jack rabbit Jenkins, you know, a guy that, that New York fans know well from his time with the giants. But Mm -hmm. uh, the idea was they wanted, they wanted to play, man-to-man defense so they they feel like they have man-to-man cornerbacks and and Fulton is a guy who in particular has shown he can handle the job he's the only uh only member of the Titans secondary who has at least one pass defense in each of the three games so far and and is really is really sort of making everybody feel a little more comfortable right now than you know when team when their opponents are in passing situations than than was the case at, at any point last season Kevin Byard is, uh, you know, you mentioned is is the the free safety. Although the Titans, they they interchange their safeties quite a bit, but uh, you know, Byard Byard is the only the only Titan with an interception this year, and uh, and a guy who, he, you know, you, you kind of a couple years ago had seven interceptions, and you thought, okay, he's you know he's he's going to make that jump into the elite range. I, I don't think he's ever going to get there, but he's a really good 
safety, a really good team guy, you know, somebody that, uh, that that's good to, that, that's kind of, you know, they, they just feel comfortable with him. And, and interestingly, it, it's his partner at safety has been a different guy each game. It was uh, it was third year player Amani Hooker in the opener, and then Hooker got hurt. He's on injured reserve. They had veteran uh, Bradley McDougald, who they brought in late in training camp. Uh, guy, you you go you you know there well with the Jets mm-hmm. uh, from the uh, from the Jamal Adams trade. Mm-hmm. He started in week two against Seattle. He didn't. Uh, Apparently that didn't work out so well. He got cut. They went with uh, they went with Dane Crookshank, then a 2018 draft pick last week, and uh, and they feel like Crookshank maybe is the guy now who can hold it down until Hooker gets healthy again. So uh, that that that's sort of been an interesting dynamic rolling through those guys. And and if if something happens to Crookshank, should he get hurt? Uh, you know, the next guy in line is is another guy Jets fans should know a little bit about with who is which is Matthias Farley, who's mm-hmm. kind of I assume he's probably wondering when he's going to get his chance since everybody else is uh, seems to be getting theirs. And then uh, the, the other, the other name I would, I would tell you to watch for another young player, a, a 2019 draft pick and a, and a late round pick at that is inside linebacker, David Long, who, uh, you know, was a backup the last two years when Jayon Brown got hurt late last season, Long stepped in, played really well over the last, five, six games plus, uh, plus the playoffs. And then, uh, Jan Brown missed, uh, missed week, I guess, missed the last two games actually. And, and, and long has been playing again. And, and it's almost like with Rashawn Evans, David long and, and Jayon Brown, the Titans now have three starters for two spots in the, uh, in their inside linebackers there. And, and it'll be Brown Brown looks like he's going to be good to go, this week so it'll be really interesting to see how the coaches sort of use those three and and in in what combinations based on different situations David when you said it didn't work out with Bradley McDougald and that he got cut I said ah that's the Bradley McDougald we know here yeah. in New York I believe the saying that I came up with for him was he came, he saw, he sucked, he got hurt, he left. That's pretty much it. That's how his tenure went here. It sounds like it was much of the same with the Tennessee Titans. David, I want to ask you from both sides of this now, knowing what you know about the Tennessee Titans, you know their strengths, you know their weaknesses. If you were the Jets, how would you go about attacking them both on offense and on defense? And knowing what you know about the Titans, what do you expect them to do both on offense and on defense? Yeah, if I were the Jets, I would be uh, I would be very aggressive up front. I would I would bring extra extra bodies a to to try and you know outnumber the offensive line, get to Derrick Henry in the backfield, as I said beforehand, and uh, and see if you can uh, see if you can. Inf- force Tannehill into into some of those bad throws by sort of taking advantage of of that offensive line that that isn't completely settled right now um I, I think uh, I, I think that's probably the best bet if you give uh, if you give Tannehill time to to stand back there and, and feel comfortable and and particularly you know particularly if as we discussed the wide receivers you know it's, it's depth guys all day I, I don't think there's any question that's uh, you know that's the way to go that's when you that's when you say 100% Derrick Henry, you're not going to beat us. We, you know, somebody else is, is going to have to. And if it's, and if it's, uh, and if you think it can be Nick Westbrook, Aquino or, or Racy McMath or, or Chester Rogers, then, then Godspeed. But, uh, but that's, you know, that, that's the way it's going to be on, uh, on defense. I would, uh, 
I would attack the Titans kind of uh I I I'd throw I'd I'd go more toward the perimeter I would say and and you know don't don't try to test the inside of the uh, of the defensive front they've got you know Jeffrey Simmons is a guy we haven't talked about but they're mm-hmm. 2019 first round draft pick he's uh he he's a real dynamic player in there and can and can sort of disrupt things on the inside I think I think you're better served sort of running some of the the jet sweeps and and swing passes and and trying to trying to trying to draw the cornerbacks up a little bit because then then you can take some shots uh, you know everybody Arizona's first play in week one, for example, DeAndre Hopkins was running all alone in the secondary. Seattle had a had a couple guys get open where you know there were there were busts in the secondary. If you can if you can get the the the, the secondary, because as I discussed, you know, it's it's a it's a different group than last year, and it hasn't been the same group each week, week to week. So there's still communication issues that are being worked out there. So I, I think if you, uh, you, you know, the more you can, the more you can sort of uh, make these guys sort of have to think and, and, you know, with your route combinations, maybe some bunch formations, those, those sorts of things where, uh, where guys have to sort out who has, who once the ball is snapped, you can, uh, you can maybe make some things happen that way. Um, when, when the Titans have the ball, I, I do, I think you're going to see, I think you're going to see a whole lot of Derrick Henry early and often that, you know, the, the number to sort of watch for is, is 12 to, to maybe 15 carries. If he gets that number in the first half, Chances are it's going to be a long second half for the for the Jets defense because once his once his carries start adding up, then you see his yards start to really grow in in the second half traditionally, and that's you know that that's what we've seen the last two weeks. It was 13 carries in the first half at Seattle. It was 15 carries in the first half against the Colts, and uh, and he was he was sort of able to to put both of those games away the in in the second half. The Titans Titans dominated the fourth quarter really in, in both of those contests. And, uh, and, and that, I think, I think that that has a lot to do with it. And then as, as I mentioned, the, uh, you know, Titans are going to, they're going to line up and they're, they're going to, they're going to play man-to-man defense in, in terms of pass coverage. Most of the days or most of the day that the one, the one thing you can say is under defensive coordinator Shane Bowen right now is they are, they're much more aggressive with their blitzing than they were under, under Dean Pease. And then last year when they, they didn't really have anyone with that title, there was, there was sort of no identity to that defense, but Shane Bowen has shown he, he will blitz and he will blitz often. So, uh, you know, they're, they're, as a, again, I, there, there are some of those opportunities. It's not going to be like they're dropping seven, eight guys into coverage all day long. So if you can, if you can create some communication issues, there will be opportunities to take some shots down the field or to, or to get some run after the catch. If a, if a guy's left sort of unattended, say running one of those shallow crosses. David, how do you expect this one to turn out, and what's your prediction? You don't have to give me an exact score, but give me a range of where you think this is going to land. The Jets are still very much a work in progress. The the Titans sort of they sort of dodged a bullet coming from behind to win in Seattle the way they did. They could have started out zero and two. They didn't. They want to. They 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 want to key division game against the Colts on Sunday. So here they are at two and one in first place in the division. They have the Jets and the Jaguars on tap before 
they they get uh, Buffalo and Kansas City back to back. So they 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 have an opportunity. You know, everybody talks about you know we're going day to day. We're you know one day at a time, one opponent at a time. But but I have no doubt that that in their quiet time, they're looking at this saying, we have to win these two games. We have to get to four and one. And, uh, and I think, uh, I, I think, you know, this, this is not going to be a case where the Titans sort of dial back their playbook and say, well, we're not going to show what, you, you know, everything we can do. We're, we're going to make it tougher for future opponents to scout us. I, I think they're, I think they're going to, I think they're going to come after the jets really, really hard in this one. Try and I, I think they're going to, try and get a lead early and I think they can get a lead early and then maybe not, you know, maybe not blow this thing out. So I, I would think something in the, in the 24 to seven range, I, I think what you're going to see is, is the Titans look to get a lead in the first half and then, uh, and then just sort of really keep the clock moving as much as they can in the second half. And it, and, you know, I, I think they, I think they have the team to do that given, given the state of the the jets right now. If the Jets score seven points, believe it or not, David, that would be better than their season average so far. So overshooting the target a little bit. Yeah, there's there's been guys running free in that secondary. Some somebody for the Jets is going to get open. And I think Corey Davis in particular, you know, he he's gonna have something to prove and, and he's gonna come out very competitive. I it wouldn't surprise me at all if Corey Davis is the is a guy who scores scores for the get you know, gets to the end zone for the Jets this weekend this point, I'll take anybody getting into the end zone for the Jets. <laughs> David Beauclair covering the Tennessee Titans for Sports Illustrated. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. For everybody that wants to check out your work, read even more about the Titans ahead of this matchup coming up on Sunday. How can they follow you on social media and how can they read your work? It's uh, si.com slash NFL slash Titans. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter at Beauclair Sports or all Titans SI on uh, on twitter i appreciate uh, appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk with you as always scott pleasure as always sir glad to be able to have you on hopefully we have an opportunity to do this again soon in the meantime follow david on twitter and check out his work with sports illustrate and check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the play like a jet youtube channel the video that Luke Grant made on Mike LaFleur has taken off. So if you want to see why a lot of people are complaining, check that video out. He balances the good with the bad. So it's not just a hit piece. It's a video showing you everything you need to know about what's been going on with the LaFleur offense so far. Plus, Luke made a great video about how dominant Quinnen Williams was on Sunday against the Denver Broncos. Hopefully we see some of that against the Titans this Sunday. So check out those videos and subscribe if you haven't done so already. And give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. 